Hello, this is episode 223, recorded on Friday the 16th of November, at exactly one second to midnight. I have been making some alterations to the podcast, which we'll talk about in a bit, in the pre-show section, that's what I'm calling it now. Got a few things to say at the top of the show before we get on to the main part. There have been a few minor changes because I feel for some time now that we've been drifting away from what this show is supposed to be about. So let's talk about that right now. This show is about genre fiction. Let's be honest, from the beginning, from the first episode, most of this show has always been about genre fiction in all its forms, in different media, though we have strayed a little bit from that over the years. For the sake of accuracy and to appeal to my target audience, if I still have an audience, I've tweaked the show's title to reflect this. Anything else like technology and creative subjects will now be dealt with in the after show section. So I have also divided my show into pre-show, show and after show, which sits better with me than trying to ape BBC terminology where they say intro and outro. And it also reminds me of that blackly inspiring line from All That Jazz, which I must have mentioned before. And it's a line repeated by my namesake. I've put a link to that in the show notes if you're interested. And I've entitled this episode that quote. All these changes mean a more focused show with science fiction, fantasy and horror taking up the main part of the show, sandwiched between my personal news in the pre-show section, and things that I like talking about because I'm a bit of a techie and I like lots of things that are very geeky. And, of course, vanilla types of entertainment fiction and other nerdly and geekly stuff in the after-show section. As for time per episode, well, there are no constraints whatsoever. We've never stuck to any set time for how long these shows should be, so we're not going to do that now. Each episode will be as long as they need to be, because despite the title, this is a podcast, not radio, so we have to worry about things like that. While we're on the subject of meta stuff, I just wanted to say what makes this a bit different is that I'm interested in the story. And that's the thing that really differentiates my show from others. I'm not so interested in production. If you want to hear financial analysis of blockbusters, celebrity gossip, how the thing was made, and all those little development details, try Empire or TMZ. Tangentially, you may hear a few production details, but if you want to hear about what happens and what I thought about what happens, then listen to this, and this is the show for you. The show makes no attempt at objectivity. This is 
absolutely not a review show. This is my personal take as someone who first started reading science fiction before he was five, saw his first horror film at about seven and read Dune and all volumes of The Lord of the Rings when he was about 12. Why is that good? Well, it busts you out of the filter bubble by ignoring IMDb or dirty rotten tomato ratings and as well as plumbing the mainstream of nerd culture, you will hear about books, movies and other entertainment that you will absolutely never hear about in any other show. Guaranteed. And how can I make that boast? Because, as I've said before, I've been doing this a long time and I have consumed books, comics, movies that just aren't talked about or are even easily found. If you love the esoteric, welcome home weary traveller, so crack open a beer, we're going in. In a second anyway. One last bit of housekeeping. Boldly Voyaging the Multiverse. Probably the best nerd blog in the multiverse is Caput. Do you remember that? It's been a while since I've even done a blog post. That used to be the name of my blog, but I have finally finished with it. That is why it is closed. I will mine it shamelessly for podcast material. And actually I've been doing that anyway for quite a while so don't fret if you can't get to it as long as you listen to this podcast you aren't missing out on anything at all at the moment it is in a building slash testing phase as i transition it to serve as a feed for the podcast but we'll talk about that some other time Or maybe we won't talk about that at all. As long as it goes smoothly, there's nothing really to talk about. Maybe just remind people that the feed address has changed. We have a tiny, tiny bit of mail this week. Yep, so we're going to delve into an extremely large mailbag with only one letter at the bottom of it. And this is to congratulate my mum, who managed a really tricky job of removing a battery from an Acer laptop. In order to do this, she had to go on the internet, look on YouTube, download a manual, and remove 21 screws. My mum's doing this so that she conserves her battery... She reduced the charge down to 50% and then is storing it long term so that the battery is in a preserved state for when she needs it. I recommended that she did that, but I thought it was one of those easily removed batteries. It wasn't. So, well done, Mum, and I award you the rank of ship's engineer. She emailed me about her DIY adventure and if you want to see some pictures of what she had to do and read an excerpt of that email they're on Twitter and as usual I've put the link in the show notes if you have something equally geeky you want to tell me about something you're doing doesn't have to be a laptop, maybe a script that you're writing, a book that you're writing, 
drop me a line. My email address is roy.martha, M-A-T-H-U-R, at gmail.com. Just before we do go on with the show, I just wanted to talk about something I have alluded to for quite some time, and that is I have been mentioning something which has prevented me from podcasting more often. I've talked about this on the podcast since late 2016, and we've talked about personal things before, like dating, so it's not going to be that uncomfortable. And as I say that, it is becoming incredibly uncomfortable. Okay, so here it is. I have Gil de la Tourette's syndrome, also known as Tourette syndrome, NOCD and ADHD, known ominously as comorbidities. And the reason I like the TV series Monk so much, though that guy's OCD symptoms are very mild, really. Ah, I'll give you a bit of background. Hyperactivity was the catch-all phrase used in the diagnosis by a quack shrink back when I was a child of primary school age. He totally missed everything else, something that would get you struck off nowadays, I'm assuming. I was given at the time monstrously powerful medication that, in the words of my mother, turned me into a zombie. My parents not wanting a zombie child, although that could be pretty cool, took me off them, and for a while it was bad, but then lessened into my teens and adulthood, as Tourette so often does. This was, in my case, merely a remission. Now, I have read that it can come back in old age, and I'm not old yet, but things have been pretty stressful, and I think that's what ended the remission. And the full force of Tourette and all those other delights reasserted themselves around the particularly awful Christmas of 2016 due to flu, which I seem to get annually and for personal reasons. It reasserted itself with a biblical, Old Testament-level vengeance. So much so, that I knew something was terribly wrong. I told my GP, and got a referral to see a specialist at the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford a few months later. If you can remember back to that time, I mentioned in the podcast that I spent a rainy day in Oxford. That was the reason why. Since then, not much has changed, except confirmation that what I have really is Tourette. I was given another medication that worked really well, but only if you were happy about being constantly thirsty and asleep for 18 hours a day. Zombie, zombie. So that's where I am now. And that's why podcasting is so difficult. I mean, imagine having to edit out all those weird vocal tics. It's hard work. And 
even when I wrote these notes, I was ticking like a crazy TikTok clock. And during this podcast, no doubt I'll be doing the same thing, which will mean quite a lot of editing later on. Finally, I don't have that sweary thing. That's called coprolalia. That, despite the jokes by the ignorant, is very rare. Any swearing I do in real life, which admittedly does happen more often than I'd like, is simply the result of growing up working class in South London. Why am I saying all this? Frankly, I'm a bit tired of beating around the bush when I'm not well and just slightly mentioning something and not really talking about it properly. Otherwise, what's the point of mentioning it at all? The other reason is maybe this will be of some help to someone out there in the ether, perhaps in the same situation. If you are, and you're finding it difficult, you're not alone, and maybe drop me a line. But now, let's really crack open a beer and get on with the rest of the show. And we're starting tonight with The Predator. Now, I have seen every single Predator movie from the very first one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But let's talk about the story of the latest of the Predator films. In this movie, anti-social special forces sniper encounters a Predator while on a mission. He ends up being the only survivor of his team... But no one, apparently, believes him, and he is shipped off to the army's funny farm with a bunch of other army section 8s. Is it still called that in the US? Not sure. Most of my knowledge from this kind of things are from Sergeant Rock comics, so I've no idea. And if you think that This is a bit hypocritical of me, calling a place where they treat mental illness a funny farm, right after talking about my own conditions. Wait for it. This was a Shane Black film, and it is as if Shane Black said, Okay, inclusive cast? Women? Check. Non-white characters? Check. Disabilities? check. Oh dear, Mr. Black. You see, there's Thomas Jane's useless, cliched portrayal of Tourette's Syndrome. This was really the appropriate week to talk about my own condition. And an equally stupid portrayal of a kid with autistic superpowers. This is A-Team, but where everyone is Murdoch. And obnoxious. Did I mention everyone is terrible in this? But back to the story. You see, the predators are breeding with the galaxy's top killer species to produce better predators. I said that in a way that keeps this podcast PG-13. There are some clever bits of dialogue, and the action is wonderfully gory, But it left me feeling that, in comparison, the last film, Predators, 
was a masterpiece. I think this movie will be quickly forgotten. Okay, before we move on to the next thing, I've just reminded myself of something. PG-13. Now, I know I said in an earlier podcast that maybe we should just mark all these explicit, then I can say what I like. But I have had to think about this, and I've changed my mind. Because, as I said, too much swearing in real life, it's quite a relief not to be quite so rude in my podcast. And the fact is, I've gone through a couple of the podcasts that I did mark explicit before, and I don't think they're explicit enough to be, well, marked so. So now I'm just going to say that this podcast is a clean podcast, and relatively it is, if you consider PG-13 to be clean. I haven't used any of the big naughty words. Naughty words. Okay, next. I think we're alone now. Peter Dinklage is a loner in this film, keeping his small town pristine after an apocalyptic event kills everyone. Well, almost everyone, because a girl survivor turns up. And for a while, things are okay, until someone comes looking for her. Now, I know this is a bit on the nose to say this, but really, it did feel like this movie was a bit the station agent-ish, which was also a love triangle kind of film, although it's not quite the same here with Peter Dinklage. He seems quite good at playing those characters. It's okay... It's not exactly riveting. There's a little bit of an extra twist, but that twist is so mild, I don't think it bears any close scrutiny. But the thing is, Peter Dinklage is one of those actors I could watch making a sandwich, and it would still hold my attention. And I'm guessing there are quite a lot of other people out there like me And that was I Think We're Alone Now, post-apocalyptic sci-fi. Next, Searching. This is a run-of-the-mill techno-thriller with lots of social media action when John Cho's daughter goes missing and he uses the internet to track her down. We've seen little echoes of this in lots of other movies. I think the first time I saw anything like this was probably the Sherlock Holmes TV series. Or was it? Could have been something before. Can't think of it off the top of my head. And it's become a trope now, but it's done quite well. I almost didn't see the twist coming. Almost but not quite. And that's Searching, a techno-thriller. Next, Apostle, Junkie Dan Stevens, who acts really well as a junkie, but really he's not fooling anyone because he looks as fit as the butcher's dog, is trying to rescue his sister from a cult run by Michael Sheen. So good actors... Unfortunately, 
I found the film to be boring, grim, grimy. Netflix did try to make an original horror movie. Oh dear. I fell asleep after 20 minutes. Ah, which is something I tend to do if the film is either really bad or really good. Uh, what else can I say about this film? Uh, not much. That's it. The Apostle. And the last genre-related thing of the evening is Stanley. R.I.P. Stanley. Marvel Stanley died a couple of days ago, age 95. I often commented on how much I hated his film cameos, and I'm not going to change my mind about that now, but I loved Spider-Man, who he co-created along with Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. Early Spider-Man was what introduced me to American comics, because up until that point, I was reading mainly British comics. Anyway, rest in peace, Stan Lee. Oh, and a couple of hours after hearing about his death, I went to Abe Books and rebought the first three pocketbook volumes of The Amazing Spider-Man. I lost the first two when I returned to the UK from Canada, because it was too expensive to ship, and have regretted it ever since. I originally bought them in the late 70s or early 80s on a trip to see my auntie in France on a Sealink ferry, I believe. There are some other things I'd like to replace from that move, and I have mentioned this before, so that will be a continuing subject of discussion in the coming months. I am going to be discriminating, though. I'm not just going to replace every single thing I left behind, because, frankly, some of it isn't worth replacing. But there are a few items that are so deeply sentimental that I do have to replace. That's it for the main part of the show this week, and we're into the after-show section. And we've got a few things to talk about. Death Kiss. Yeah, time to get vanilla. Sort of vanilla, if you call the Death Wish series of revenge exploitation flicks vanilla. Yeah, there is a new film that completely rips off Death Wish called Death Kiss. It stars Robert Kovacs Bronzy as a Charles Bronson lookalike in this deliberate ripoff of the Violent Death Wish series. Even with the novelty of seeing Charles Bronson seemingly return from the dead, no. Just no. Interestingly, Robert Kovacs Bronzy was not an actor before this. I don't know who saw him. Maybe some producer and thought, you know what, we could bring Charles Bronson back. <laughs> He really does look a lot like Charles Bronson. Look him up if you have the time. What else have I been thinking about? Oh, podcast ads. Podcasts now seem to be plastered with ads. I am seriously sick of craft beer. 
mattresses and some baritone bloke boring me about some overpriced toy robot. (sighs) Nokia 5.1. My new base model Nokia 5.1 arrived. It is the phone that I thought would suit me perfectly and I hated it. I'm sorry. I'm sure it's not terrible, but until you have the thing in your hand, you're never quite sure whether you're going to get on with your new device, and I didn't. It didn't agree with me, especially the reversed volume and on button. I've found subsequently that that reverse button is actually the norm, and the phone that I have now, the Moto G 3rd Gen, actually has a reversed volume and on button. I'm still looking for a new phone that isn't dreadful or expensive. There are better things to spend one's cash on, like analog media, but as I said before, more on that some other time. You know what I'd like? I'd like a phone that only did a few things. I found myself since the absence of TV, also cutting back on social media, and also not using my phone as much, and it is a relief, and I wonder how much better I would feel if I just had a phone that worked, but largely ignored it. Uh, I'll keep you updated on how the phone search goes, One extra thing that I wanted to mention, I bought it from John Lewis because the return policy is, or rather was, generous. I found out that it isn't quite so easy to return something to John Lewis anymore. So be careful if you are buying from that UK department store for that reason alone. I did manage to get a refund, but it was a little bit of a faff. Also, here's an update on the state of my laptop that stopped working. I have a small HP Mini 210-4000 netbook that I use for my writing. And the good news is that it was the battery. Lots of battery-related things this week. I downloaded an HP Diagnostic app and it said, Bad Cell. Taking a punt on a new third-party battery worked. I was lucky, but in general, be careful of unbranded batteries. Thank God I don't have to buy a new laptop. That would have been a severe blow to my finances. Oh, and one last thing. The courier that the company used was Hermes. I know very little about them, but I know some things from Amazon come on Hermes. And the person who delivered it threw it over my garden gate. Now, I've complained about this before, but this time it's dangerous. A delicate six-cell laptop over a garden gate, and it landed on brick block paving. I did mention this to the company. The battery appears to be okay. 
but I'm going to keep an eye on it. It was very well wrapped, luckily. But that's something to look out for. Batteries need to be handled carefully. The cells inside those batteries are pretty delicate and there's quite a lot of power management electronics in there. Surprisingly, a lot of electronics. So just bear that in mind if you are buying a new battery and it's coming mail order. I did mention in an earlier podcast that if I had to replace the laptop, I'd be running Linux. Well, I don't have to replace the laptop, so I'm not going to be running Linux, but I have in the past. And this experience led me to the following recommendation. If you decide to switch to Linux, my advice is to minimize the native OS partition that came with the machine and then dual boot. I think this is a better idea because one day you might decide you need to use the host machine's diagnostic tools and those will be written in whatever the host machine came with. Don't expect every machine to come with diagnostic tools written for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. Another reason for doing this, you may one day need to flash the firmware. There are ways around this, like booting from USB, but all methods are a pain compared to just rebooting into the native OS. Another advantage is that if you screw up your main system, you can always boot into the secondary operating system and carry on working. And finally, I have a real-world example of Tim Cook's Data Industrial Complex. I found that Google Docs are really hard to delete. (laughs) My recommendation is that you check who you are collaborating with on Google Drive. At the time when I wrote these notes, the day before I did some Google Drive housekeeping, not realizing that I still had access to someone else's documents. So I deleted the phantom docs, thinking I was just removing my access to them. But oh no, I was actually deleting the documents themselves. You see, a few years ago, I tried out another writer's group. I attended exactly one meeting, but they never rescinded my access. Cue some tense messaging backwards and forwards the next day with someone I hadn't spoken to for years. I found out that some of the documents deleted were the user's only master copy. But why would you do that? Anyway, I thought I had done a really thorough job of purging the documents. But luckily, I suppose in this one case, luckily, Google seems to want to never let us go. If the same thing happens to you, check your recent folder in Google Drive. Yeah, there's a folder just called Recent, and they might still be there. Data Industrial Complex indeed. Tim Cook is right. If you are using Google Drive, also back up your files locally. 
don't depend on Google Drive alone. And as we always say in this podcast, back up, back up. (sighs) Let go of the rage, Roy. Let go of the rage. And that was it for today. If you want to get in touch, I'm on the web. I'm at roymartha.com, R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. You can email me. My email address is roy.martha at gmail.com. I am at roymartha on Twitter. Please review the show in iTunes. If you like the show, tell a friend. This was episode 223, recorded on Friday the 16th of November 2018, and the time at the end of the show is Saturday, November the 17th, at 44 minutes past midnight and 21 seconds. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!